Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's Full Court with Fisher and Kay. We are six days from the time of recording from the month of February, which is the shortest month in the year. And then it's March, which means March Madness right around the corner. But there are a couple teams we've normally seen in the NCAA tournament that might not be this year. Last week, we talked a lot about Blue Bloods like Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina's struggles. But another Blue Blood struggling this week, Kara, is Kansas losing their last three games for for the first three game losing streak since the 2012-13 season. It's been pretty rough for the Jayhawks. And not an amazing Kansas team um, by any stretch, but still pretty good. Um, They lost to Gonzaga to start the season, but they've been pretty consistent otherwise until the past couple of games. Um, They lost to Oklahoma State, Baylor, and most recently Oklahoma. So their Big 12 conference record is now four and four. The last time they posted a four and four conference record was the 1987-88 season. And the last time they posted a 10 and five overall record where they currently sit was the 2005-2006 season. So obviously very different times in Lawrence. As Morgan Uber, our guest a couple of weeks ago, commented, um, the normal Kansas post presence just hasn't been there this season with the loss of um, Yudoka Azubuki from last year's team. Oklahoma was able to out-rebound Kansas, and they had Davion Harmon able to score 22 on them. Um, there's Kansas obviously had that insane run where they won a share of the Big 12 title every year for 14 straight years, but this could be the second time in the last three years that they don't get a share if they continue on this path. Yeah, I texted a source. I know I sound really official when I say that. I texted a source that's very close to the the Kansas basketball program who said they just aren't very talented. This is a typical Kansas team in a lot of ways, but they're down maybe the one or two stars that they also have on top of the guys that they currently have. And I read one article that said they're just not, they're not just not defending they're not guarding the ball. And although Marcus Garrett is the exception to those claims, you can't entirely base your success around him. As good as he may be, he's just really not your go-to guy, especially when it comes to leading on both ends of the floor. But Kara, someone has to fill in the spots of these blue bloods who are faltering. So who's one team in the top 25 that you believe deserves more recognition? So I'm going to say Tennessee. I realize they've lost the last two, but Even so, I do like this Tennessee team. I do like the Tennessee program. As someone who works in social and digital, I think they do an amazing job on their accounts um, and with their captions. They're always just funny or playing into a theme. They uh, tweeted a game in Hamilton uh, quotes a couple weeks ago. Um, So I just think that they do an awesome job. But they've had a, a weird start to the season initially where they had five of their first six games canceled due to COVID. They currently post a 10 and three overall record, um, but are only four and three in conference play. Again, like I said, they've dropped the previous two to Mizzou and Florida. Mizzou's been pretty good this year. Florida has been a little more up and down. They have some good pieces. Um, John Fulkerson, who leads them in both scoring and rebounding. Eve Ponds, Jr., Victor Bailey, Jr., who redshirted last year after transferring from Oregon, 
And then they have sophomore Josiah Jordan-James and then a talented freshman Keon Johnson. So I still think they have what it takes. Um, they beat that Mizzou team in late December. Uh, they've just been, you know, a little bit up and down in league play. They have a huge game coming up this weekend against Kansas. So we'll see kind of if they're able to get back in the winning column, maybe pick up a pretty big win, even though Kansas isn't the normal Kansas. I love that you mentioned Tennessee's digital and social because our guests today will be pulling back the curtain on the March Madness digital and social. But before we get there, one team that I think deserves more recognition, and it, similarly to you, Kara, they've lost, but it's Creighton. Um, Creighton has matched Kansas for the biggest slip in the rankings this week. They went from number 11 to number 17 after losing back-to-back -back games, although they did get the win over number 23, UConn, who actually just exited the polls. But they'll take on Seton Hall this week, who I'll mention in a minute, and a DePaul team who actually just took down Marquette in Milwaukee. So they're still second in the Big East standings to none other than Villanova. So Villanova was back in action this past week after having not playing due to COVID, Kara. And what happened? So they ended up getting a 76-74 win over Seton Hall. They then followed that up with a 71-56 win over Providence. They've now won eight straight, even though there was that, you know, huge gap in playing. Um, they've still shown their consistent national title contender. In the win over Providence, they showed, you know, their balance. They had four players in double figures. Um, they will, though, take it on the road. Their next three Big East games will be away from home. So we'll see how they're able to handle that, especially you know, coming off of that long pause. Seton Hall had multiple chances to win that game down to the final seconds, and they truly should have won it in my mind. Now Villanova gets to take a much needed victory into a game against UConn where they're without their best player in James Booknight. I also think it's worth noting that Booknight had 40 against Creighton when they were number nine in the country, and they just lost to the Blue Jays without him. I just think it's really telling of his importance to their success and another reason why Villanova could get their ninth straight win against a UConn team that was in the top 25 just this past week. We had another national title contender, Iowa, fall last week at home to Indiana. It was 81 to 69. Um, offense is normally a strong suit of the Hawkeyes, but Indiana's defense held them to that season low of 69 points. And there's including that was an 11 minute stretch where they did not even have a field goal. Um, during that time, the Hoosiers were able, able to go on a 23-2 to two run. For the game, Iowa was only 5 for 23 from 3. Um, Indiana's kind of all over the place in the Big Ten. Previous to that game, they had lost to Purdue, and then they came home after the Iowa win and lost to Rutgers. But still a big win for Archie Miller's Indiana squad as they try to find some consistency behind the play of Trace Jackson Davis, who's one of the top players in the Big Ten and in the country. And for Iowa, their next scheduled game is on the 29th against Illinois, who definitely has the ability and the athletes to defend them well. So certainly something to keep an eye on. We need to touch on the UConn-Tennessee rivalry that was just renewed and the game absolutely did not disappoint. What stood out to you? So the big shot at the end, but before we get there, uh, we had Kristen Williams from UConn. She had 20 points. Um, and like we said, there was the big shot by Paige Beckers at the end, but she kind of struggled throughout the game. Um, didn't really end up mattering though. She was able to help her team get the win. And I remember I texted you during the game that I was just kind of crazy. Tennessee had control for a lot of it and then came down at the end. UConn was able to get the win. 
Another interesting storyline in this game, UConn's junior guard, Evina Westbrook, who had actually transferred after playing her first two college seasons at Tennessee. She finished the game with 15 points, including two big threes in the fourth quarter to break a 52-52 tie and put UConn up six. I need to mention, we've talked about Tennessee's social media already. On the women's side for women's basketball, we got to talk about the it just means more locker room photo. It's Westbrook kind of jumping into her teammates and UConn was able to kind of stick it to Tennessee and have this clever caption of saying it just means more. So definitely a a fun little jab that, you know, college basketball has to have those. You just got to be able to have a little bit of fun with it. We also had close game with Close games with some of the top ranked teams. Number one, Louisville women's basketball narrowly escaped Wake Forest of all teams by just two points. Also in the ACC, number two, NC State beat Virginia Tech by just two points. Then number four, South Carolina barely overcame LSU and SEC play with a four point victory. But the biggest upset of the weekend came when Tennessee actually upset Kentucky. That was a 20 versus 12 matchup to bounce back from that UConn loss. Renaya Davis had 20 rebounds to go with her 15 points in that victory for the Lady Bulls, which is impressive to say the least. In the AP poll, the latest one, we have multiple teams that have a ranked team on the men's side and the women's side. The teams are Louisville, UCLA, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Some of those honestly kind of stuck out to me. Uh, Wouldn't have fully expected. Gonzaga, I think, is especially a women's program that is flying under the radar a ton. Uh, But it's always cool to see what schools can really claim those great men's and women's college basketball programs. And now we'll have someone that can speak to the landscape of college basketball from a national level. Now joining us is Chad Aycock from Turner Sports otherwise known as March Chadness, one of my favorite nicknames in the game. Chad, you have a really unique position. You get to cover the sport of college basketball from a national lens with March Madness. How has that been different or more challenging this year with COVID and all that that has brought on? Whew. That's a, that's a fun question right there. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I guess, Carrie, you would know last year, uh, we started sending videographers to top matchups in college basketball. And, uh, you know, I happened to be at one of those games, Kara, the Michigan State-Duke game for that ACC Big Ten Challenge. Cassius Winston, Trey Jones, all that good stuff. We're shooting the behind the scenes, the, the, the post-game hug, all that fun stuff. And this year, it's like we can't even get it within six feet. We can't do any of that good stuff that we would normally do. So just as last year, we're kind of ramping up our coverage. and like, Hey, what, what's, what's something new we can do? This year, the question is, hey, what do we, what do we have to cut back? And I think that's the toughest part is – being okay as creatives cutting back. We know what you do for your job, but for those who may not, can you describe it? Yeah, I guess I should have started there, huh? Um, yeah, March Chadness, it's a, it kind of ties right in with my job. Uh, I'm on the Turner Sports social team, and just with the TV rights, Turner Sports kind of operates the, the March Madness social channel uh, year-round. And so my day-to-day responsibility is uh, – is coming up with the, the year-round strategy for that platform. And it's, it's something that's, that's a lot of fun as a, as a college basketball enthusiast. You know, I went to UGA and I, and I worked for Georgia's basketball team there and uh, getting to do it at a national level is a lot of fun. So March is kind of just around the corner at this point. Um, you kind of said you had to work on 
you know, scaling back just when you wanted to ramp things up, but how is you, how are you and your team preparing to cover this tournament um, and March Madness that's going to be like nothing else we've ever seen before? Yeah, there's one angle where it's, it's unique and it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to have on your resume that you plan the, the 2021 uh, March Madness tournaments. It's way better than having you plan the 2020 March Madness tournament on your resume. But um, this year it's been frustrating because normally we know what to expect. We know the tournament locations are going to be here, here, and here. We can have students here, here, and here helping us with on-site coverage. This year, it's we don't know where the tournament's going to be played until you know the winter. We don't know the safety guidelines for that. We don't know if we're going to be able to have a videographer on site. And it's just hard because normally we'd have you know all this great on-site footage, these stylized you know videos that we can plan on and, and get these scheduled and get the credentials all done in advance. And, and this year it's like, hey, well, we hope we get tier one status. We hope we can get Andy Katz in the bubble. That'd be a no brainer, right? No, we have to get the approval for that this year. It's just a lot of logistics that kind of get in the way of the actual creative planning. We are all in the business of storytelling in one way or another. Have you and your team been thinking of any ways to do any kind of cool social activations, whether around the bubble scenario in the great basketball state of Indiana? and beyond as it relates to this year's NCAA tournament or Final Four, because obviously priority is covering all the games, but what do you guys typically try to do outside of that and maybe play the, the Indiana angle this year? Yeah, every year um, we kind of look at what makes each tournament unique. And so last year, um, you know, we were playing for Atlanta. So we are like, oh, well, the, the Atlanta Aquarium. So we're doing all these different shoots with animals, trying to pick brackets that never saw the light of day. And uh, this year, when we started planning with our designers, you know, our designers, we create a new look and feel uh, for our social channels every year. And it's like, hey, what makes Indiana, you know, Indiana, like, you know, the outline of the state, um, you know, just the basketball culture in Indiana, and also just the fact that it's going to be a bubble. So you may see uh, different graphics have different elements that kind of resemble Indiana, the skyline, the state, um, and just kind of reflecting that across all of our graphics packages. We have to back up for a second. You had animals from an aquarium picking games for March Madness. Oh yeah, we, we were on calls with the aquarium for months trying to get different documents signed. We, we had a couple of videographers go out there. They had to shut down different exhibits for a full day. And we've got all this footage of, I think like penguins, like picking brackets, you know, we were gonna add in stuff after the fact, but we've got that footage somewhere. We still, we're still trying to figure out a way to get that uh, mixed into the feed somehow. I was gonna say, please don't ever get rid of that footage or not anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, if we can run it back, we will. We're going to try. So we're entering the part of the college basketball season where people are trying to either, people are trying to put perspective, I should say, above panic. So let's talk about the panic for a second. What teams, Chad, do you think should really be worrying about making the tournament or even having enough games to reach the 13-game minimum to play in the tournament? We've talked about, I think it's New Mexico State has only played one game. Um, And so what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think there's two different angles you can look at it. You can look at it from the traditional sense of what somebody's resume looks like, where you've got Kentucky, who basically has to win the SEC tournament to get in. You've got Duke, who's five and five. Kara, you know, Michigan State, big win at Duke. Um, but they're they're 0 and 4 in quad one, you know, games. So their resume's terrible. They've lost three in a row, not looking good. UNC several weeks ago could have also been on that really just question mark stage of their resume, but they've won several games lately. They're back in good standing, but their net. Uh, ranking still like in the 50s so if things go south you could have a tournament where Kentucky Duke and UNC all don't make the tournament which is a disaster from my perspective because I need those big fan bases to uh, help boost our engagement on at March Madness but 
Um, from the second point you made about number of games played, you know, we like to hype up undefeated teams and, uh, you know, count them down on the rankings. There's five teams left. One of those is Alabama A&M. You know, they're one of the last five unbeaten teams, but they've only played four games. I think they're playing their fifth game tonight. So it's, if, you know, COVID cases break out, they could be one of the last undefeated teams and never actually make the tournament. So <laughs> wouldn't that be unfortunate? You obviously have to pay attention to a ton of teams and a ton of different players. Um, can you maybe name a team or a player that's really stood out to you so far that may otherwise like be flying under the radar, someone unexpected? Yeah, there's a couple of different different routes. I think that the team that's actually flying under the radar is Boise State. Andy's Andy Katz, my guy, he's got him in the in this, I think number 15 or 14 in his power 36. Like he's got him good. Like Derek Austin Jr. They're rolling. They don't really have any big like resume games. So they're just going to keep doing their thing in, in the Mountain West until until we get to tournament time because there's no really big non-conference games left. But uh, they're really good. St. Louis is something that really doesn't make any sense to me. Like preseason, we expected St. Louis to be good. They haven't played a game since December 23rd. They were unranked at the time. They weren't ranked after the, that most recent win. And somehow or another, they climbed their way to number 22 in the polls without playing any games. So I don't think it makes sense. I think they're really good. I just don't know how they've gone from under the radar to back on the radar without playing games. Um, and then a really specific player, obviously everybody knows Baylor's good. They're not flying under the radar, but Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, those are the two guys that get the headlines, but I like Davion Mitchell as like one of the best on-ball defenders in the country. He's from South Georgia. So, you know, I'm from Georgia. Uh, those of you that don't know, he went to Auburn his freshman year, kind of got stuck behind Jared Harper, transferred to Baylor. And now he's part of this just unbelievable team. Touched on Baylor, obviously Gonzaga, Gonzaga and Baylor have been the most dominant teams in the country this season. But if you had to pick right now, um, maybe give us another team you think could compete for the national title alongside them. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping we see Gonzaga Baylor in the national championship. That would be epic. If they don't make up their previous non-conference game. Um, two other teams, I like Texas and Alabama. I told uh, Andy Katz, again, probably gonna mention Katz five times in this podcast. Uh, Texas was a dark horse candidate for me preseason they brought everybody back the only freshman on the roster in that class was Greg Brown who clearly fits in uh loaded experienced backcourt really good team and then Alabama who just kind of like you look at Clemson right now Clemson is way just downhill like got smoked by 35 against Virginia got blown out by Georgia Tech and Florida State but somehow like Alabama lost to this Clemson team so like just kind of tailor two seasons Alabama's now on the you know increase Clemson decreasing here. Alabama undefeated in the conference. They were up, what, like 98 to 56 at LSU, dropped 60 in the first half, broke the conference record for threes. This team reminds me of Auburn, like, because that's what Auburn did. They had guys that could just shoot it and knock it down from any from any spot. And uh, that's what they did to get to that that uh, national championship game. Or, yeah, no, they lost to the final four to Virginia. But either way, Alabama can make a ton of threes. If they get hot in Indiana, uh, they could easily make that run. You've mentioned his name a bunch of times. You obviously work closely with Andy Katz, who's been a guest on this podcast before. And so what is one of your favorite stories that speaks to the kind of talent that Andy is? And Andy's my guy. Andy's one of a kind. And, uh, you know, working for Turner Sports, we see a lot of talent that comes in for either a show or, you know, our full-time talent, whatever it is. And a lot of times they don't really understand social. They're just kind of like, yeah, I'm doing my linear hit and that's all I really care about. You can tag me or you don't tag me. I'm not going to retweet it, whatever. Andy's the opposite. Andy's will record something at six and wonder why it hasn't been posted by 6.05. You know, he's, he's wants his name out there. He'll retweet us 15 times. He'll retweet us and then do an in case you missed it later on. 
Andy just hits you and hits you and hits you and hits you, hits you. And he cares about the content. He cares about the people working for the content. So he'll be checking in with different people and uh, his producers and his editors. And he's just always, he's an all in kind of guy. He'll text me at 1030 at night. And he'll hit me up at six in the morning if I haven't responded yet. You know, he's just, he's just all in. And I love that. Um, but Andy, I'm trying to remember if it was the 2018 or 2019. I think it was a 2019 national championship game. Uh, after the game, a lot of people don't know this, the, the winning team will actually go to kind of like downtown and there's like a mini celebration for them in the city. So for, I think it was Virginia won it. And then they had taken the buses after, well, after the confetti, well, after the locker room celebration, it was like midnight, 1am. They go out downtown and Andy is trying to meet them in the middle of the city. So he catches this cab because he was supposed to be on the bus, but the bus left him. So he catches this cab. The cab's going the wrong direction. Andy's just yelling at this cab driver, driver to get as close as he can to the other direction. Andy finally just jumps out of the cab and is sprinting down to this celebration where he catches like the final like five minutes and tries to get a social hit from it. It doesn't work. Like it's just chaos. But Andy was just so determined. He's just he's he's he is all in. Respect the grind. That That's is right. all. Andy is the best and you can tell he cares about social a lot. I know he'll always, you know, shoot me a text if something Michigan State related goes up, which I appreciate. And I think he just does, you know, such a great job. Um, speaking of, you kind of got, you have got to attend a couple games in person this season. What was that experience like? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be allowed back at a Clemson game, but yes, I did attend two Clemson games. Uh, the Virginia Clemson game that I thought was going to be a good game. I was like, man, 18 versus number 12 you know, big time home game. Clemson's having, you know, just a, you know, a season, one of the best in their history. And then, you know, they had seven points at the under four timeout. And we're like, man, like, all right, can we just chalk this up to, to COVID? You know, that they're coming off the pause, didn't have the team practicing together. And then they lost by about 20 to Georgia Tech. I was like, all right, I'm not going to any more Clemson games this year. Um, but it was weird. You know, you'd think, even with teams that aren't the traditional powers, they may not sell it out, but they always have a good student section. And that's what kind of makes the most noise. You can, you always know where the students are. They're right on the baseline, you know, all that good stuff. And with Clemson, the, the students were halfway up the section. I was like, man, that, like I get the six feet distance thing, but we could be at least a few more rows closer and like allow a few more fans in. But um, it just feels like you're attending a low major game for a top 25 matchup. And it's really weird. You went to Georgia, you follow the SEC, in a year where Kentucky is obviously not the normal dominant SEC power, who do you see as the best team in that league right now? If you'd asked me this last week, I'd have been tempted to go with Tennessee, but then they got smoked at Florida and lost at home to Missouri. And then Alabama did win at Tennessee. So I think I have to go with Alabama. Um, they're loaded. Nate Oates, night and day different culture change for the, for the Crimson Tide. So I like Alabama. You've been on a college basketball staff before, which I find super interesting as someone who now works in the position that they do. And for those of us who maybe haven't been that in the weeds, what were some of your favorite parts of being on a college basketball staff? Anytime I go back to a college basketball game, that's when I really miss my roots. And, uh, you know, I worked for Georgia's basketball team. And I think people that work in college athletics are probably some of the hardest working people in the country. It's, a lot of times it can be low budget. Um, it's just kind of all hands on deck, getting everything done. And I was personally a student manager for my first four years uh, at UGA. And there are some times where your request has nothing to do with basketball. I think I had to get uh, Coach Fox's daughter's violin tuned one day. You know, it's just whatever they need done, like their personal lives matter too. And sometimes they don't have time to do stuff like, hey, just run this over downtown and get this fixed. Hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. You know, keep, let's keep focusing on the team. So 
those are always fun little tasks. And just that team bonding is, is different with, you know, our national level coverage, like our team is our social team, but it's not the same because we don't have anybody competing in the game. You know, when you're with the college team, you know, the players, you know, the guys that are directly making that impact. And that's a, that's a special bond. Either from your time at Georgia or now on the uh, Turner side of things, maybe your favorite game or event to cover in person and why? Yeah. I, I mean, it's easily the final four. It's, it's the final four is the best. Like it, it's, it's, not comparable to anything and when you're in the arena it is it's, it's so special because like the Virginia Auburn game where Kyle Guy gets fouled at the end people in the arena didn't know that happened right away you know on tv it's a little different you could you know the, the, the commentators can kind of guide you a little bit but like the fans were cheering like the game was over and it's just the, the passion there with the students. It's, it's unlike any other. So the final four March Chadness, it's my Slack name. It might as well be my Twitter name. Uh, I can't go I can't say anything else on the final four. It's the best. I'm just upset that you didn't say the champions classic where we all got to hang out. Uh, Chad introduced Kara and I at that point. So I just, I had to nudge you on that one. Yeah. Champions classic is great, right? You know, it's you, I get to see you guys. Um, I get to see my favorite people and, and the, the blue bloods, even though Michigan state's green, I still think you guys are blue blood. Um, yeah, that's fun, but come on. Final four. What's I think because four. I was at both. I was at the 2019 final four and the champions classic. So I'll take that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, we met at the final four care. So come on. What year was that? That was 2016, 2015, 16, 17 14? or 18. I was going to say, I we remember. can't even keep a track. Yeah, I can say, yeah. Okay, so you've gotten to do a lot, obviously, maybe a dream event, game, matchup to cover, college basketball related or not. Okay, I, I said Final Four for the actual, my favorite event, but I'll give you another one that's not college basketball, just to be fair. Um, so I grew up playing soccer, believe it or not, I was a year round soccer player. So I would love to cover the World Cup. I think that's such a special event. You only get it once every four years, so it really builds uh, the excitement leading up to it. And uh, I think that's just an incredible event to see all the countries kind of come together. Either that or the Olympics, but I'm still going to stick with soccer because of my roots. Chad, we have a little bit of a speed round for you. So you're just going to have to go off the top of your head, rapid fire. Are you ready? Let's do it. This is all college basketball based. So most exciting oh gosh, player in the country. Oh, man. <sighs> Jalen sucks. Best freshman in the country. I would say Jalen Suggs again, but Cade Cunningham's close. An underrated team. Mm. Alabama, still. They're An good. underrated They're top four good. God, see, I would say Nate Oates there, but. Uh, God, underrated coach. Got to keep it quick. I'm not good at these quick things now. Um, you can say Nate Oates. That's your answer. Greg McDermott. Uh, favorite league to watch? Oh, I love the Big Ten. Come on. You, you guys have every other team's ranked. Okay, then speaking of that, Big Ten champ. Michigan. They're, they're too good. They've already, got, they've already got the halfway lead. Like, they're, un, you know, come on. Your final four right now. I mean, Gonzaga, Baylor, they're going to meet in the national championship. Pencil it in. You can write in pen. I don't care. Sharpie if you want to do a Seth Davis style. Um, 
The other two, I'm, st- I'm going to go with Alabama, depending on the bracket and their matchups. And then I think Texas gets, is, gets hot. They've got the depth. They've got the experience. Last question, Chad. The best thing that you can grow? Grow? Ooh. I'm known for my burgers, but I personally think my steaks are top notch. I mean, you get a little brown sugar bur- bourbon seasoning, the butter, Worcestershire sauce, Dale sauce. Whew. Southern green style. Egg. That's right. I can speak to the burger. The burger is good. I don't know. I don't know how much of a steak person I am though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since y'all, since y'all last visited, I've gotten a big green egg. So come back and see me. <laughs> that we will. When it's safe, when COVID's over, we will all reunite at either in Georgia or at some college basketball event again. So Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Love the polo. I'll have to get you a Marquette one at some point, but nonetheless, appreciate you. Go Sparty. Thank y'all. A big thank you to our friend, Chad Acock, for joining us, talking some college basketball, talking all things March Madness. And I owe him a personal thank you. Uh, if you weren't able to see, he was wearing his Michigan State polo shirt <laughs> that I sent him. He always says he doesn't have enough green and white, even though he's a Michigan State supporter. So just want to thank him for repping on the pod. Absolutely love it. Chad is the best, does a great job, and loved hearing his stories, especially the Andy Katz ones. I mean, they were just hilarious. Like, I've never even heard he got in a cab and then was late anyways, and just kind of ridiculous and definitely spoke to the kind of the kind of stuff that goes on, like I said, behind the curtain. And so in other news, we've had some interesting things happen in college basketball, but none of them compare to the 50-point game for Nas Hillman from Michigan women's basketball. She even got a shout out for from LeBron for this it is the most points scored by a division one men's or women's college basketball player this season. She shot 20 for 30. She grabbed 16 rebounds. It's the most points in big 10 history, not scored by a player named Rachel Bannum, which is a stat that I love because obviously she plays for the Minnesota Lynx in the WNBA and just one of my favorite players. We have another big week coming up, um, some big matchups, including the SEC Big 12 Challenge that'll be kind of going on all weekend on the men's side, includes Auburn against Baylor, Florida against West Virginia, and the big one, Kansas versus Tennessee, that will be on Saturday. Um, on the Big 10 side, we mentioned as well, Iowa will be playing Illinois. So some of the bigger matchups on the weekend as we, again, get closer to March and teams are looking for those big wins. On the women's side, we have UConn and Arkansas, which is a top 25 matchup. It was just added. I'm really excited for this one because Destiny Slocum for Arkansas, she's a transfer from Oregon State, a great player, super fun to watch, and will just be really interesting to see how she stacks up against this UConn team. South Carolina and Mississippi State is on Thursday, obviously always a great matchup in the SEC. We got UConn-DePaul on Sunday. DePaul is normally the Big East leader in the conference but since UConn has joined that will be put to the test and then Baylor Iowa State on Sunday and Arizona UCLA also happening on Sunday but Kara we have a couple of undefeated teams I'm going to start with the women's side which has seven undefeated teams still left as of January 25th 2021 that includes Cal Baptist who is 14 and 0 Louisville who has the same record but sits at number one in the polls NC State is 11-0 at number two. UConn hasn't lost in their 10 games played. And then it's Bucknell, Alabama State, and UC Davis. And then the most interesting part, either Louisville or NC State will drop out of this. 
in the 1v2 ACC matchup on Monday, February 1st. So keep an eye out. This could go down to six teams quickly. I feel like seven's a lot at this point still. Um, we do have some teams on the men's side left too that are undefeated. Obviously we have Gonzaga, still the number one team in the country. Winthrop sits at 15 and 0 alongside Gonzaga. Baylor, who's right right behind Gonzaga at the number two spot, 14 and 0 in the Big 12. Drake, who was actually on pause due to COVID after being the first team in the country to start the season 13 and 0, they're still undefeated. And Chad even talked about Alabama AM, who've only played four games so far, but they are 4 0 at the time of recording. Um, they'll play Monday night, so we'll see if they're able to remain undefeated. And to finish up the show, we have our final four, but this is a different final four. And Kara, I'll let you introduce it. So making fun of Jenny a little bit, but also um, just kind of funny. She'd be, she'll be heading to the G League bubble for a couple of weeks. So I thought, you know what? Why don't we talk about our bubble essentials? I really gave her no rules. It could be necessities. It could be things you just want to entertain yourself if you were in a bubble. So Jenny, obviously, since you're going to a bubble, you've been packing, start us off. I was going to say, when I saw that you had bubble essentials, like written down for this, I was like, all right, this is great because I actually have to think about what I need essentials. Um, I tried to put a little bit of a fun spin on it though. And so my first item, I have it packed. It's actually in my backpack so that I can use it on the plane if I so wish. A deck of cards and a cribbage board. I grew up a big cribbage player. Um, I remember in college, I like asked someone if they knew what cribbage was and they said Quidditch, like in Harry Potter. And I was like, no, no, not even close. This is cribbage and it's a wonderful game if people don't know it, one of my favorites. And I'm hoping someone else down in the bubble knows how to play. Kara, what would be your number one? Kind of a boring answer, but I said a good book or a couple of books. Um, we've talked about reading before on the podcast. I'm currently currently reading Little Fires Everywhere. Have a couple books up next. So I definitely think I'd have to bring them. You know, you'll get bored. There's only so much TV or Netflix you can watch, but nothing better than a good book. I was going to say, I just started the book Bravey by Alexi Pappas. Uh, she actually mailed it to me. She's an Olympian and she is incredible, especially in the fight for mental health advocacy. And it is a wonderful book so far. Definitely would recommend it. And then also, Kara, you have me wanting to read the Nick Nurse book because Nick Nurse and Nate Bjorkman, who, who was on his staff, just went head to head. They're also G League alum, the only coach and assistant coach to win both a G League and NBA championship. And so I, now that they're on my radar, I definitely have to read the book. Uh, my number two, tons of contact lenses because I am blind and I am scared of losing slash forgetting them. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'll go to my number three, my robe. I'm a big fan of robes. And I'm, I'm just gonna say this, I actually didn't pack it, but it is on my essentials. I have a really fluffy robe and it just does not fit, like it's not gonna fit in my bag. Um, at this point, I've got a big suitcase, a little one, a duffel bag and a backpack. And I'm sorry, but the robe is, it's just gonna get left behind, but I might order one like Amazon Prime it to me down in the bubble. I love robes too, so I totally understand. And I don't know about right now with all the protocols and cleaning and everything, but hotels a lot of times will have a robe. So maybe not as nice as the one you have there, but maybe they'll have one for you. I will go for my second one. This is also 
kind of funny. I don't know that it's super essential, but a mini like clothes steamer. I actually always travel with one whenever I'm traveling for basketball. And because, you know, you're throwing all of your clothes into your suitcase, they're going to get wrinkled, especially if I have, you know, clothes to dress up for a game or an event or something. And if it's certain material, look at all, all wrinkled. So I actually do always travel with that. My third one, if I was actually going to a bubble, I'd have to have an actual coffee maker, not just <laughs> the Keurigs or the fake coffee maker machines in the hotels. That's like fine for maybe a day, but like if you're down there for a couple of weeks, definitely need an actual coffee maker or maybe an espresso machine. Um, one or two, one or both of those would be nice. Jenny, your last one. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely going to have to scout out the coffee scene because I very much am a coffee snob. Um, absolutely love it. Need it every single morning. And then when you said mini steamer, I packed wrinkle release spray. This is like my travel hack. Very similar concept, but it it actually works wonders for me. Probably my number color too. <laughs> yes. My number four, tons of shoes. So I mentioned I have a duffel bag. It is full of shoes, but then I also put shoes in my big suitcase. I've got my Jordan 1 mochas. I've got my PG3 NASA's to hoop in. I've got my pine green Jordan 1 lows that I just treated myself to because I've wanted them for like three years. Uh, the list goes on and on. Plenty of Jordans, lots of shoes. Um, I think I brought like one pair of like nice flats if I really want to for the championship. But yeah, plenty of sneakers. That's perfect for where you're going. Daily bubble, got to bring a ton of sneakers. Got to bring the feet heat. My last one, um, again, is something I actually do. I'm not a big makeup person, but I am a big skincare person. So like my moisturizer that I like, my cleanser, my toner, <laughs> my serums, um, it's always kind of a struggle fitting them all into my little traveler, but I am particular about that. So I would definitely have to bring that, especially if I was going somewhere for a long time. Um, obviously, like you said, Amazon Prime, hopefully you're able to get some stuff if you forget it, but that'll be, that'll be my last essential. Well, one of my essentials before I left was making sure that we could do this episode. So guess what? Another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kay is in the books. Thanks to Chad Acock for spending some time with us. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip edits the show and he's moving on after this week. He will be in the G League bubble, so hopefully him and I can meet, but we really appreciate all that he's done for the show. And please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.